Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. Apologize for the delay. I had some technical issues, but we are ready to go on a very special day here at the Barroom Network. Greg has a very special guest, and I will ask Greg to come in and introduce his guest. Well, we've got my longtime friend, 39 years now, Jerry Angelo. We worked, started working together in the 1984 with the Giants, and then... Uh, Got together again in 2001 here with the Bears and spent a lot of good years here. And we always talk on the phone during the year. So, Jerry, come on in and say hello. Good, Greg. Uh, good being with you today. I'm glad you got a show going on. Although, nice meeting you, buddy. Nice meeting you, Jerry. So, Jerry, first thing I want to hit, because I, it, it was a special day for, for us in a way, I know when you were in Tampa, you had, I think, two Hall of Famers. I had Derek Brooks and John Lynch. Was there anybody else? Well, Warren Sapp and Rondé Barber. Greg. Oh, that's right. Warren Sapp and Rondé Barber. You had four. Yeah, you yeah, had a we... down there. <laughs> and who I thought was in, and then no who I thought was in and wasn't, was Warwick Dunn. Oh, yeah, Warwick Dunn was really a good player for us. Uh, not quite the caliber of those did we lose him we lost jerry momentarily let's see uh, if we can get him back here jerry you may have walked into a bad cell area because he was walking and talking <laughs> i think he's back there he is there you okay. good yeah i i just said about work um you know had he stayed with the bucks his whole career he had a property got in the ring of honor, but when he went uh, to Atlanta in free agency, which is uh, very understandable, I think that probably squashed uh, his hopes of that happening with ownership. Right. But now then, you know, over the weekend, we had Devin Hester, who was the first pick from our group of draft choices, and I think we'll probably get a few more in, in Peanut Tillman and Lance Briggs. Uh, and then Peppers, who you had a big part in signing. I just watched a little tape, but that was you in the pro department. But I, I think that is, uh, you know, a, a good pat on the back for us, I guess, if you want to say that, because we it showed we did good work. We had 12 pro bowlers that we drafted, uh, make, make it to the pro bowl. Uh, and now we've got one in the Hall of Fame and hopefully some more. Oh, it's great, Greg. Anytime you see a player aspire, you know, to the elite level, uh, obviously the Hall of Fame uh, is the holy grail in the football world. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's very, very satisfying. And there couldn't have been anybody any more worthy than Devin, obviously being a special uh, team player, um, you know, that created uh, – 
some gray for a lot of people, but uh, you know what it really shows is the value of special teams. And hopefully this opens up the door for uh, you know more players, particularly in the past, um, you know that were great teamers, particularly kickers. I'm just surprised there's just so few kickers, you know, in the Hall of Fame as well. Well, there's a lot of people in Buffalo who think Steve Tasker should be in because he went to, God, he went to about eight or nine Pro Bowls, Polish, as a special teamer. He wasn't a return guy. He was just a cover guy, but really good at it. Oh, Greg, you you hit it. He was great. You know, I forgot about him, but but you're 100% right. They need to be recognized. You know, we just saw in that game um, – you know, uh, on Sunday, you know, special teams again was a big part of that game. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and uh, I got to say, both cover teams were ex- exceptional uh, in the game. So, uh, again, hopefully this opens up the mind uh, to the voters and we start seeing more uh, uh, more special teams players in there. Okay, next thing I wanted to hit, because I know we don't have a lot of time with you, is because this is big with you. And when we worked together in New York, they didn't put us anywhere close to the emphasis as we did here in Chicago, and that's character and, and really football character. And, you know, in, in New York, uh, Tom Boyster was our, our boss. He ran the scouting department, and they relied a lot on, on this test called the CPI, and uh, they had this psychologist, Joel Goldberg, who uh, – had years and years of data and actually, I mean, we got really good results out of it, but still we didn't go in depth as much as when Jerry and I got to uh, Chicago. And and that was really from the work Jerry had done in Tampa Bay and really perfecting that. And could you talk about that a little bit, Jerry, as far as, you know, why it's so important for the football character, and we always separate football character and, and and personal character, why it's so important for the football character to be correct uh, for in order for a player to succeed? Well, <clears throat> I always felt this, Greg. Uh, if you have a franchise quarterback, he could, uh, he could mask a lot of things on a football team. Uh, unfortunately, I, I was never with, you know, a franchise quarterback been with a lot of good ones, but not special ones. So you really had to build uh, a strong team, both sides of the ball and, again, on special teams. And the other thing that I learned uh, that you had to have a uh, not a good locker room, you had to have a great locker room. I've never been on a, on a good football team, a great football team, if they didn't have a great locker room. So obviously – the character of your locker room. People use the word culture. Culture is just another word for the character of your of your team. And we started to put more stock in the types of people we brought in, not just the talent. You know, I always said this, talent, a team's need, the value of a position will get you, get, uh, you drafted, but the character is the glue that's going to create the career. And uh, that's a fact. Uh, and I always looked at character, Greg, not good or bad, but looked at it as strong or weak, um, work ethic, competitive nature. Uh, that tells you if a player loves football, okay? And 
then obviously his dependability, his trust level on and off the field, his football IQ, is he working hard, taking notes, uh, watching extra tape, et cetera. And then is he a team guy? You know, everybody's selfish to a degree, but not at the expense of the team. So when you bring those criteria, you know, those four criteria that I just touched on, you know, love of the game, his football IQ, his dependability, he's a team guy, that's going to create a great locker room. And, you know, it works, Greg. It works. Um, you know, we won a lot of football games in Chicago. Uh, nothing really came easy. You know, all our games usually went into into the fourth quarter, uh, determined by uh, who's going to, you know, make uh, the last mistake, so to speak. But uh, I feel very strongly about it. And I think it's still true today. Uh, there are a lot of great players out there. We know that. But there's a lot of great character on the field as well. Now, taking that a step further, and I don't want to get into the local quarterback debate only because it, I don't think it's fair to you and it's fair to Ryan Poles, the, the Bears GM, because to have you say something that might not coincide with the way he's thinking, you know how people are going to blow that up. So right. we'll, we'll stay away from that part. But how important is it as the face of the franchise for – the quarterback to be to have that character that strong football character just like the other guys if not have the strongest on the team well i i think it's critically important greg i i think the position speaks for itself obviously it's it's the most most valued position um on a football team and a character applies to everybody uh we're just not talking about the quarterback we're talking about everybody but it really applies to him because he is uh, in most cases the face of the franchise the leader of the team so to speak so I always look at the position as a character position um, and very very important uh, you know because I've been on teams where he didn't have those criteria that I mentioned a little earlier and it didn't work irrelevant of his talent uh it might have at other positions for a while but it won't work at the quarterback position particularly at the nfl level so what are you doing with yourself now well you know not too much i still enjoy watching football i like saturdays uh quite a bit and uh you know i got two grand boys greg uh, six and four, spend a lot of time with him. Very, very fortunate. You know, us being in the business that we were in, we spent a lot of time, uh, you know, um, not at home. And, you know, God gave me a mulligan. I, you know, <laughs> I got these two grandboys. I said, God, I'm not going to blow it again. I said, I'm going to be around for them. So it's been a lot of fun and, you know, staying busy, still like to, uh, you know, do a little exercising like you and I uh, did when we were in Chicago. And, um, but there's plenty to do. You know, it, it's funny because, you know, having worked with Jerry as long as I, I have, the epitome of the grinder is Jerry Angelo. And if you want to work with him, you better be trying to work harder and grind harder because Jerry's the proverbial first guy in, last guy out. And 
so what I, I used to try to do is, you know, I figured out what time he was going to get there. I had to get there about a minute before. And, <laughs> and, and then as soon as you went out the door, Doc, I was like two minutes behind you. <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, Greg, well, you know, when you're not real smart, you got to work harder. You know, I knew my limitations. I knew what I had to do to, you know, uh, uh, stay in the chase, so to speak. But uh, we all worked hard. I Listen, we had a great team in Chicago, team of people. I'm talking about our front office, our coaches. Um, and we, uh, you know, we melded well uh, together. And uh, obviously, the work ethic was a big part uh, of what success we had. Well, I think, you know, when you, when you talk about some of the guys we had in our scouting department, <clears throat> the work that they've done since we've been gone, you know, Teddy Monago is the assistant director in, uh, in uh, Los Angeles for the Rams, and people look at him as one of the best evaluators in the game now. Uh, Chris Ballard's done a great job as the GM of the Colts. Uh, Marty Barrett's with uh, – uh, the Rams with Teddy and is their national scout. Uh, Mark Sadowski is an executive with, with uh, the Steelers. I mean, we had some really, really, really good. good. Uh, Greg, we, we had a great team, you know, uh, of, uh, of scouts and it takes a great team uh, to do, you know, the work that needs to be done. No, we are very, very fortunate. And, um, you know, we work well together. We enjoyed each other as well, which really made it fun because, as you said earlier, the long hours, the hard work everybody puts in, everybody is doing that. But we enjoyed the work. We enjoyed the camaraderie of, of working together. Uh, and again, just like we talk about the chemistry in that locker room, the chemistry in the building, in the front office with the coaches is equally important. Yeah, it's got to be. And, and and one thing I want, you know, the, the viewers should know is that, you know, we're going through like this time in the month in February, right? Shortly before you go down to Indy for the combine, you know, we get together, we put together the preliminary board. We're going through players position by position and, and we're talking and there's disagreement in the room. You know, Jerry might see a guy one way. I might see a guy another way. Uh, Ballard might see the guy a, a third way. And then, you know, you talk it out and you try to come up with the right grade on the person because it's about, it's not about who's right. It's about being right and having the right guy or the right grade on the player for your team going into April for the draft. Am I right in saying that, Jerry? Absolutely, Greg. And, and you hit it. It's, it's not about who's right. It's about being right. And Greg, you got to park your ego. You know uh, that—that's the bottom line. Uh, obviously, I had a lot of say uh, in personnel, but I listened hard. I listened hard to everybody's opinion because I know the work they put in. And you know, I had an opinion too, based on the work that I put in. But you know, it was collaborative, and you know, we wanted to make the best decision, even though I might have been able to get my way. I didn't always get my way because I deferred to people like yourself and uh, the scouts that you were just talking or alluding to because they put that kind of work in, the mythology they use. You know, you've got to be a good listener. And then you've got to be able to weigh um, 
you know, the criteria, you know, based on evaluation because it's projection, you know, uh, and that's what you're doing. Nobody's going to be perfect. Nobody's going to be right all the time. But what you want to do is just use good common sense throughout the process. You know, there's one guy because that bring, reminded me of a story where there was some disagreement and, and you gave in to the masses, so to speak. And that was Matt Forte. You know, we, yes. you know, right. Ballard, myself, Ballard was the area scout myself. And then uh, Tim Spencer were a little bit higher on him than you, but you were like, okay, if you guys really want him, that that's who we'll take. And that, and, you know, well, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. He turned out to be a hell of a, a football player for us. No, he had a great hey, career. He had a great career, and I was wrong with, on Matt. Not that I didn't like Matt. You, you can't be in scouting and not like Matt Forte. It's just the degree um, that uh, others liked him. Right. And you know, I go back and uh, look at that, and you feel good because you know why? It's about you know, team, it's a team effort. You know, it's not one person, you know, it's, you know, the higher up the ladder you get, uh, you know, sometimes you get too much credit and uh, that just goes with the territory, but all great organizations know uh, what they have to do and know they have to do it together. And again, you got to be a good listener and, you know, Greg, sometimes you are wrong. Uh, the, the whole key to it, what you try not to do though, is miss big. You can't miss right. big. That's what uh, you want to focus on. And, you know, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, we did some good things. You know what I, I, I thought was the most fun, one of the most fun things we did every spring is you, myself, Lovey, the coordinator, the position coach would lock ourselves in a room and we go over those profile tapes position at a time. And it, it to me, it was so easy then when you're watching back to back to back to rank the players in that group. This guy's the best. This guy's the second best. This guy's the third best. And so then when you get into your final meetings a few weeks later and, and then and put the final board together, it's a lot easier to do because we did that one exercise. And, yeah. and, and trust me, people, we did this like every day. Yeah. And, and you know, Greg, we're, uh, I think we learned this. I know I did. When we were with the Giants. Parcells made a statement uh, in a room, and I was in the room uh, hearing it like others were hearing it. And he said, the best thing about the people we draft we all like him when he comes into the building. And, you know, I didn't really think about it uh, then, but as I, uh, you know, uh, grew in the business, it really resonated. It's so important when you draft a player that everybody sees him in a positive light uh, when he comes into the building. All players are flawed. There's no such thing as the perfect player. But when you draft him, everybody's got to have a good feel good when he comes in. I've been in situations where that didn't happen, be it a coach in particular, and it hurt the player's uh, development. Um, maybe what he could have been, he wasn't. 
because that coach really didn't have a strong feel good. So those things that you just talked about, Greg, that we did, we, we hit, we knew this, um, that our coaches had to feel as good about them as we did. And if they didn't, Greg, we took them off the board. Right. You know, it Absolutely. was as simple as that. You know, again, it's, it's not about who's right. It's about being right and having that feel good on every player you bring in the building, knowing that you're not going to hit on all of them, but you want to hit on most of them. Well, Jerry, we've, we've kept you a half hour. Yeah, Greg, can I, can I jump in here? Uh, sure. Jerry, if you've got a couple more minutes, I'd like, like to ask a couple more questions. Is that okay, Jerry? Yeah, go ahead. Aldo. Thank you very much. You did an interview with Don Pompey over at The Athletic, and you said becoming a general manager doesn't make you smarter. It just, it just puts you in charge. I was going to hire a head coach that was compatible with my philosophy. He was going to coach the team, but I needed to know that it was going to be coached in our likeness. I, I, I read that and I say to myself, what a great organizational philosophy approach to that. And do you think that most NFL teams are doing that nowadays? Or do you, when you take a look throughout the league, do you say, well, that may, might have been part of their problem is that they didn't have a unifying philosophy from the top all the way down to the equipment manager? You're pretty sharp, although that's that's great insight, and um, I, I that applied uh, 100% true when I was in the business, and I think um, a lot of why you see the attrition that you see, you know, 75%, approximately 75% of all the head coaches will be terminated in three years or less, and one of the major reasons is just what you alluded to, Aldo, that you hire, most teams hire the resume, coach, you know, coach the quarterback, develop the quarterback. I get it. But if he can't lead, he's not going to make it. If he's not compatible with the ownership's philosophy, you know, ownership slash general manager, um, it's not going to work. That, that's an historic fact. You got a franchise quarterback, you know, that's different. But how many are those or how many franchise quarterbacks are there in any uh, uh, generation? Maybe five or six, you know? Mm -hmm. So so what are the other 20-some uh, teams, you know, going to do? If you're not on the same page, if you're not philosophically uh, on the same page, to me, it's not going to work. All right, we had uh, dozens of good questions from the chat, but I'm going to just choose one. This one from Maul Douglas. He says, I would love to hear Jerry's opinion on whether or not to believe any of the smoke during draft season and how much teams use the media to push draft narratives as part of their strategy. I think, you know, Greg always says, this is the lying season. You don't believe anything <laughs> on social media and so yeah. forth. So we would love to get your thoughts on that. Well, you, you know, I – I always enjoyed the uh, the draft time, particularly all the things that were being said. You know, although if I had to uh, use something uh, to equate it to, uh, it's like a big game of liars poker, okay? And uh, and that's part of the fun of it. You know, who do you believe? Who said there were people? There would be people in um, our business. I'm talking about personnel. They would tell the honest uh, truth about most things. 
in knowing that nobody would believe him. So <laughs> it, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's part of the fantasy. It's part of the lore. Uh, it, you know, and it makes the sport, uh, you know, what it is, particularly around draft time. Peter A. says, thank you, Jerry, for a decade of really good football. I echo that. The uh, dozens and dozens of fans uh, who are in the chat room now, we've got uh, over 285 people watching live on YouTube. We all echo that. Thank you, Jerry, for building a winning teams here in Chicago, making it so exciting to be a Bears fan. We are hoping and praying for days like that to come back again. Thank you very much for being here, Jerry. Okay. Thank you Thanks for the Doug. Okay, Greg, good being with you. My okay, best. Buddy. Take care. Bye now. That, Bye. that is Jerry Angelo. That was fun, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> how'd, you how'd you pull that one off, Greg? <laughs> I, I got to tell you, because when, when you said that, and some guys tell you the truth, and nobody believed him. And the king of that was the late John Butler, who mm -hmm. was general manager in Buffalo for a long time, and then out in San Diego with the Chargers. And, you know, you get to the draft and, well, you're going to do, oh, I'm going to take Thurman Thomas. Not, well, you can take that guy out. We're not going to take Thurman. And what's he doing? He drafts Thurman Thomas. You know, and, <laughs> and he did that every year. And nobody would believe him. And it always turned out to be the guy he said he was going to do. And you think after a year or two, you, people would catch on? Nobody did. Nobody did. <laughs> that is wild. Uh, you know, uh, uh, of all these organizational philosophy, philosophy things, because in listening to Jerry and in reading uh, some of his work that he did with The Athletic, with Don Pompey, he sounds like an organizational, you know, I don't mean to be hyperbolic about this, but he sounds like an organizational genius. He has this philosophy about building a team, about building a culture and so forth. Is there one piece of wisdom that he shared with you that you hold deep down in your heart and and apply to that day to day nowadays when you're looking at tape or just something that is very, very memorable that he shared with you? God, there's a lot because, I mean, they said at the beginning, we've known each other like 39 years now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the time he, we were together in New York, I think four years, and then he went to Tampa. But that wasn't like a bunch of years we didn't communicate. We mm -hmm. always talked to each other. I mean, we were we were good friends, see each other on the road. I, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story because okay. I might have told it before. So this is during the spring of 2001, and we're at Pro Days. So we end up being at Michigan together. And um, so Thomas, the running back, we took – the Bears took, we weren't there for that 0-1 draft. Then who the hell was the first round pick? I can't think it was the wide receiver for Michigan. Um, uh, David Terrell. David Terrell. Okay. So we're at the pro day, and Terrell is being a total a-hole. Diva. Um, you know, I, we wanted the guys to, to work out in the indoor facility, which was, you know, connected to the locker room and behind the weight room at, at Michigan, and that had a field turf surface. David wanted to run on a track, which was like the next building over, but he wanted to run on that fast tartan surface. And we we're like, hey, you want to run on that? You go ahead and run on it, but 
we're going to add time because that's a lot faster surface than than the field turf. You know, we equate everything to grass and field turf and grass about the same. But anyway, he's just being a total knucklehead. And you can say, oh, God, this is this isn't going to work forever. Gets him. So I remember, you know, right in the middle of this thing, I walk over to Jerry, I put my arm around him. I go, big dog. Now, I'm with the Giants. He's with Tampa. Neither one of us knew we were going to be here. <laughs> I'm too glad we're not going to put up with this bullshit. And what happens is a couple months later, he gets hired as the GM. He brings me in as a, as a scouting director. I walk in his office. He gets hired like on a Monday. On the, two days later on a Wednesday, I'm there my first day in the office. I walk in the office, he just looks at me, he goes, we spoke too soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it just it was such a shame with, you know, David Terrell. It, it appeared to many of us fans that he just didn't get it, you know. Well, that, that's pretty good. You know, but I'll put it this way. Knowing the criteria that we used. Mm-hmm. Okay, once we got here and the philosophy that we had, he would not have been our pick mm -hmm. in, in April of 2001. Yeah. But we yeah. inherited him, and that's not the year before they took Brian Erlacher, and that was, you know, epitome of a great pick. But, mm -hmm. you know, Terrell, Terrell had loads of talent. Mm -hmm. But there was other issues. He wasn't a bad person. He just... Right you know, didn't have the proper football character. And I think, you know, to go back to what you were saying mm -hmm. is what did I get out of it? I, you know, when I talk here or I tweet stuff out or whatever, it's always with that same philosophy in mind. That's how I, you know, I, I, I look for certain things in players, but I try to find out the background. Mm -hmm. And it's the background conducive to him being a great player. And I, purposely asked Jerry about the quarterback situation because from information I have, Caleb's not a bad person, but there's other issues. He's selfish. Right. Uh, and, and is he a leader? Is he a real team guy? You know, you, you, you got to question those and you got to do your research. Okay. Right. I've never made a school call, but information I got of people who have made school calls, that's what they say. So that's why I'm like, I, I get the talent. I know the talent, but is he the right person? Mm -hmm. And so that has me saying, not at the first pick in the draft, he's not, because you better be 100% right on that one. You don't get a second. You blow that one, you don't get a second chance. Yeah, exactly. Okay? You're, you're betting your career out, especially <laughs> if you're going to get rid of a, another quarterback that still has an opportunity to be decent. Yep. So it's – you know, that's why I say what I say. And if people want to argue with me on X, they can argue all they want. But I got, you know, 40 years of experience now behind me that tell me I'm right. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't know what the Bears are going to do. I know what I'd do. And I know if, if, if Jerry and I were there, I'd know what he'd do. But it's, it's um, you know, it's going to be up to Ryan. It's going to be up to Fluce. And they're going to make the, the right decision. Now, they're going to have a lot more information than I have. And they're going to sit down and talk to the guy. 
They'll talk to them at the combine, but that's 20 minutes. That 20 minutes isn't enough. Yeah, exactly. Okay? You, you, you're going to spend time with them, either bringing them in here uh, on a 30 visit or going out to the school, doing a, uh, a private workout. And when you do a private workout, you end up, you know, there's a lot of interview and classroom time and you're going to, you're going to spend six, seven hours with the guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe go out to dinner the night before or that same day or whatever. You're going to spend a lot of time with the guy. And you're going to come out of that feeling really good or saying, hey, I, I just don't know. You know, and, and if you've got that, I don't know, you can't take them. Yeah. Okay. Not at that pick. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if it's lower down, different story. But at that pick, trade it if you don't feel good trade it mm. you know and, and and i you know i'll go on my deathbed with that thought i mean that's just uh i've been burned before i i know what it's like to take a first round pick and have him not work out because he doesn't have strong <coughs> excuse me mm-hmm. strong football character and that was michael haynes mm-hmm. great kid no played, played great at Penn State. Looked yeah. like he was going to be a, no uh, an excellent character. prospect. That's, yeah. not, that's on us, but you know we held our scouts accountable, and that that scout was held accountable. Yeah, and I think it's important that you're underlining, you know, that you said he's a great kid. It was just the football character, which is separate than just being a guy. You know, right. right? Exactly. You you have to separate football character and and football character. Lawrence Taylor. Did not have good personal character. <laughs> okay, he's proven that over and over and over again. Okay. But his football character? Yeah. Off the freaking charts. Great example. Okay, that game meant so much to him. Mm-hmm. He had to have the game, and he knew he had to have the game. Yeah. Indeed. And, Indeed. you know, it, it just, he was a leader in that fashion. He wasn't, his, off-season work ethic probably wasn't the greatest because he wasn't a weightlifter. Mm-hmm. He was natural. Yeah. He was just naturally strong. Um, I remember one time we were the, the there's a weight room at the end of the practice field at training camp, and as soon as practice got over, you know, a bunch of players would go in there and just lifts for 15, 20 minutes on their own just to get a little exercise before we you know, go to lunch. And at that time, we used to have two days all the time. You know, so, like, training camps are country clubs now compared to back then. When <laughs> yeah, I was for sure. For ourselves. I mean, we had two days every freaking day for six days a week. Mm-hmm. And, but anyway, go in there, and Sims is lifting pretty hard. And Taylor and Sims were close. And for a quarterback, Sims probably lifted – not a thousand times better than most quarterbacks in the game. Sims was a really well-built, strong guy and, mm-hmm. and loved working in the weight room. So LT looks at him and he just goes, you really get something out of that? And, and you know, Bill just started laughing and he just goes, <laughs> you know, buddy, you ought to try it. You might add five years to your career. You know? <laughs> you know? But it, it was just funny that I, I i was lucky to be there when that little exchange was going on but mm-hmm. there's a lot of truth to it you know lawrence taylor had a great career he's in the hall of fame and and still you 
he changed that edge position to what it is. Yes, he and did. he, even though he was a outside linebacker in a three, four, he was a pass rusher, mm-hmm. but as good a career as he had, he might've played three years longer, four years longer. Had he been, you know, a strong off-season worker as far as the weight room and stuff. Now, granted, when, when he started in his career, weight rooms were just coming into existence. Mm. You know, not every team even had a weight room. It's, it, they didn't have an off-season program like they have now. You had to do yeah. it on your own. Yeah. And so, you know, that was part of it because, you know, you can do it sevens contractually with that. But, you know, LT in the off-season – you know, he'd find Michael Jordan and play golf, you know, and play for a thousand dollars a hole or something because he's always betting with Jordan about something. Yeah. So Laz asks, you know, nowadays, do you pass on a Lawrence Taylor at number one, knowing if you were to have that intel that he is not the uh, 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 a great citizen? <laughs> uh, do you no, pass because on because his football character was up here? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and strong football character can guy with strong football character can overcome the poor citizenship. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. you get poor citizenship and poor football character, you got a bust. Yeah, you get a good a good citizen and poor football character, you got a bust. Yeah. But the game was important, to LT. I mean, LT dominated from. I wasn't, you know, I, he was. When I first went to the Giants, he was starting his third year. So I saw from afar, but then I, you know, heard the stories when I got there. And, and I mean, he just dominated from day one in, in camp. And there was a, a one story, I guess they were it's like the second day of training camp. And they were doing a uh, linebackers pass rushing against running back drill live. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the running back's name. He was uh, from Miami of Ohio. <clears throat> and he lines up to pass block LT, and LT's a rookie. And so he get, breaks down to you know, block LT, and LT just jumps over wow. and makes this guy look like a total fool. And the guy's pitched. He looks at him, and he goes, don't ever do that to me again, rookie. And LT just looked at him and said, fuck you, block me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's football character right there. <laughs> you make the other players around you better. Absolutely. Uh, I want to get to a couple of these questions. Somebody asked, and I forgot to save it, but somebody asked, uh, ask Jerry Angelo uh, what the, what Greg did that made him uh, – an asshole, or, you know, with smiley faces and stuff. So they were trying to get Jerry Angela to share a story about you back then that perhaps, you know, so I'm asking you, do you remember any time, that, you know, with you and Jerry perhaps having a disagreement, an argument or something like that? The question was asked. You know, it's name. funny. We'd argue a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think I told this once before always in his office by ourselves. Right. Okay. I was never going to, now, if we were talking about a player and I saw him differently, you know, like Matt Forte, we, you know, we, we, he, he, 
he was right. He liked that. He didn't like him as much as me. He didn't like him as much as Ballard. Didn't like him as much as Tim Spencer. You know, mm -hmm. he had a couple other backs he liked better, which is fine. That's scouting. You're going to have different opinions. But if there's something that, you know, we're on opposite ends of the spectrum, say, and, and talking about it, and we're in the meeting, I'm not going to say a word. Okay, because he's the general manager. And so, you know, he is the boss of that room. Mm -hmm. And so right after that meeting gets over, now, you know, my office is right next to that meeting room. His office is directly across the hall. So then I go into his office and then we'd argue or right. discuss. Right, sure. And, and we have a ton of these. And, mm -hmm. and we always talk through with it. But... You know, part of it is, yeah, I have a pretty strong personality. Mm -hmm. I'm bullheaded as hell. And <laughs> he is too. But it never got in the way of our friendship. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could swear and cuss at each other and, and everything else. But, you know, you still loved each other at the end. You always worked it. it out. Because mm -hmm. in, the, in the end, you know, if you disagree on a player or whatever, at the end, he's our player. So we love him yeah. if you take him. All right. I want to talk Super Bowl, but I also want to get some Bears things out of the way. Adam Schefter is reporting that the Bears are talking, have talked, about potentially drafting Caleb Williams and keeping Justin Fields. He says that he said he said this is not what they're going to do, but they have talked about it. Your thoughts? I was talking to a guy and, and brought that up, and he – how did he phrase it? It was kind of like, you better have about four Yodas in that quarterback room to <laughs> try to get that thing to work. Um, I, I, I couldn't see it working, yeah. you know, at, at all. Uh, you know what's funny is that – between some of the local beat writers, Schefter and Rappaport, they're all saying something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that comes to my mind, and like Rappaport and Schefter are almost on, on opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the first thing I, I thought of was, Poles is having a great time with this. <laughs> He's, you know, because these guys get their information from basically somebody in the building okay right so my thinking is he's you know he's saying one thing to one a little bit different to the other and part of it is when he makes up his mind mm -hmm. and i think they <clears throat> excuse me they got to go through a lot more today is February, what's today? The 12th or the 13th? Today's the 13th. They're not going to make the decision had been made today. Okay. The decision's not going to be made after they interview Caleb at the combine. Okay. Could it be made before free agency? Only if he traded the pick like last year. But I don't see that because. 
he only trades down a couple spots, you're not going to get a player. It's strictly going to be draft picks or something. You know, right. you have to make a big move like he did last year where you can get a, a player thrown in. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a while before they make a decision. It's not just going to be him. It's going to be like, like Jerry and I were talking about. It's got to be a collective decision. Everybody's got to be on board. And if everybody's not on board, it's just it won't work. But I think part of this stuff that, that is getting put out is to, in case they do make a trade, mm-hmm. or even that, it's to help push up the price. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the thing, you know, Rappaport goes, well, it's got to be, a, you know, a be-all, end-all deal, the greatest deal of all time. That's just letting everybody know, don't come at me cheap. Right. You know, you know, if you want them, you got to pay. That's, a, you know, who knows what the hell the deal will be. You know, you'll know that, but, you know, to move, let's say you move to Washington. You're not going to get a deal that even compares to last year's deal. It's only a one-slot move. Exactly. Not okay. going to happen. But, but you got to overpay. Mm-hmm. You get the first pick. You got to overpay. You got to pay a premium. It's mm-hmm. how much is that? How much is Washington willing to <clears throat> overpay? And you know what's interesting about Washington? If they even make an attempt to move up, is that you look at the background of the ownership, and he owns a 76ers, which trade future number ones all the time. You know, basketball, that's what basketball teams do. And so does that philosophy carry over? <clears throat> and he brought a basketball guy in as president. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So right. does that philosophy carry over mm-hmm. in discussions <clears throat> to make a trade? Yeah. And giving up, you know, they're so sold on this player. And, they, you know, they got one of his coaches from USC. So, you know, are, are they so sold that they're, they're going to give up a lot of the future to get that player because they're that sold? I mean, to me, that's a it's an interesting scenario. Who the hell knows if it's exactly any truth to it, but mm-hmm. it's interesting. J2K has an interesting question here. Uh, Greg, when you had Cutler, Angelo made a statement that the quarterback makes the wide receiver. Can you expand on that, and do you agree? Well, yeah, a great quarterback with a with a, with the arm talent that a guy like Jay had mm-hmm. can can make the wide receiver because he can make the throws. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you got a quarterback that can't hit water from a boat, <laughs> you know, obviously I don't know if I agree with that a hundred percent because a great wide receiver has a way of, of getting himself open. Right. It could work the other but, way around. You know, it's like when we have, <clears throat> I start talking a lot. It <clears throat> has an effect. Um, we have Daniel Jeremiah on and, and Dane Brugler. And by the way, you know, if we didn't say it, they're going to be on 
Dane, maybe next week. I sent him a text. <clears throat> Haven't heard back yet. But uh, if not, for sure, they're both coming on after the combine. But we're going to debate players. And, and one of the debates I want to have is with both is Malik Neighbors versus Marvin Harrison. Everybody's Ooh. got Harrison up here. That's right. And, and, and I love Marvin Harrison. I love Malik Neighbors more. And the reason being is what Neighbors does after the catch. And, you know, he's the, he's the type of guy that can take a little three-yard pass, four-yard pass, and turn it into a 20, 25-yard game mm-hmm. because of his, his running skills after the catch. I don't see Harrison having that. Mm-hmm. Runs great routes, catches the ball great, makes a difficult catch, will catch in traffic. But I think his after-the-catch skills are average. He doesn't make people miss. Neighbors got return skills in his background. You know, he's got more elusiveness. I think his, his run instincts are better. So for that reason, <clears throat> and for some of the coaches that I've worked with, that has taught me that that is a very, very important characteristic when you're evaluating a wide receiver. Zach says, uh, why don't people like Brian Thomas Jr.? I like that kid, too. Uh, you He's got him like, you know what? I got him fourth. Okay. Fourth is not bad. Uh, fourth is probably. I think first round pick. Uh, definitely will be available at number nine if the Bears hold on to that position and the three other wide receivers are gone, which is a possibility. I keep hearing more and more that three, po- three receivers can go in the – Top ten or so. So yeah, but it's only happened one time. That's I true. Think. You know when you when you go and I talk about this a lot. Go through other drafts. Mm-hmm. Go back ten years and, and and look at every draft. And and when does this? When does the third wide receiver usually come off the board? Well, hell, there's been drafts when the first wide receiver didn't go off the board until the twentieth in in the twenties somewhere. But it's it. I think there's only one that I can think of where three have been drafted in the top nine. Now I got to go, you know, redo the exercise to make sure I'm I'm totally correct on that because there have been received years when receivers have gone high. I know the the year we took Tommy Harris, so that's 2004. I think three went in the top ten. Ooh. It was, a, and, and that's one of the reasons. <clears throat> Why we got the first defensive lineman at 13 or 14, whatever the hell that pick was. Yeah, I think it was 13, yeah. Interesting. Okay, uh, Greg uh, Maliska asks, please ask Greg Gabriel, if if you were if you had a choice between Caleb Williams and Drake May, who would you pick? If it came down to those two quarterbacks, your general manager says, okay, what do you think? Caleb or Drake, who are you taking? What would you say? Uh, I trade. You trade? Of, uh, yeah, I, I'm trading out. I, you know, I, 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 because there's other guys I like too, mm-hmm. and it's Drake May has the the mental makeup, the character that you just love. Mm-hmm. 
Nobody has any issues with him. I don't think he has the physical talent that Caleb has. But he, you know, he's not a selfish person. He is a real good team guy. You know, he's got that that mental makeup that you want. But would I want to take him at one? Uh, I don't think so. I'd rather trade out. Because like the guy you're gonna hear going up as far he already is with a lot of pro teams with the draft media. And I think Jeremiah, one of them, Jeremiah Brugler's already said he's a top 10 guy. Yeah. But, uh, J.J. McCarthy, local kid. Michigan. Yeah, I am shocked that he is moving up the boards. Well, it's not that he's moved up. He always was there. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, it's, it's everybody is catching up to what the team's had. Mm-hmm. He cannot, he did not play in what you call an explosive offense. Mm-hmm. You know, and Pep said it real good. He had an offensive line, you had an offensive line coach as the offensive coordinator who called plays like an offensive lineman. You know, so <laughs> they were a run heavy team, run mm-hmm. first team. So you didn't have that explosive wide open offense that some other schools use, mm-hmm. you know, which is fine. It won him a national championship. But he only can do what he's being told to do. Mm-hmm. So you don't see a lot of the talent and the arm talent and throws he can make because of the way that offense is designed. What I've been told, and I don't know the kid from Adam, is that he is so smart and really knows the position so well that when he gets in front of the coaches and they get him on the board, he's going to blow everybody away. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're going to see the physical talent and you're going to say, holy shit, what do we got here? You know? Yeah. And you know, so it wouldn't shock me that he's the, let's assume that Caleb and Drake are the first two quarterbacks taken, that he ends up being the third over Daniels. You know, wow. it, it, it depends how, sure. it, you know, how, and, and they're going to rank, you know, teams are going to look at, they're going to rank the players differently. Everybody's mm-hmm. board is different. Just mm-hmm. because, you know, Daniel Jeremiah has the guy rated as 22nd, mm-hmm. and maybe Mel Kuyper has that same guy at 19, and and Dane Brugler has him at 23. That doesn't mean that's about where teams have him. One team might have him at 10, another team might have him at 31. Yeah, you know every team's board is totally different. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, uh, got a couple more questions, and then we'll talk Super Bowl. Will's sports show. Uh, Aldo, ask Greg. Does he think Jaden Daniels has a better ceiling than Caleb since he is already more pro star ready? Plus, the SEC competition mentally gets you ready for the next level. You know, he's a really interesting guy. He's got a I mean, arm strength is there. It's obvious. Mm-hmm. And his deep accuracy is there. He can make all the throws. He can make plays with his feet. 
not the biggest guy. He's tall, but he's, you know, got a wiry build, slender build. You know, some people are going to have him number three. Some people might have him number two. Like I say, it's going to be different. You know, I'd like to, at the end of the day, if you could pull, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> pull every team mm-hmm. and see how they ranked, say, the top four quarterbacks, mm-hmm. if they tell you the truth, you know, find out exactly how it'd be a really interesting exercise, mm-hmm. but you're never going to really find that out. Never. Absolutely not. No, somebody just had a comment there, and I didn't get to read it about Daniel's skin. <coughs> Yeah, uh, let's see. That was Zach. Daniel's just, uh, you just don't want to run, and you have to keep his pocket clean. You don't want Jaden Daniels running, and you want to keep his Why? pocket clean. He runs clean. really well. He's fast yeah. as hell, but he's not the biggest guy. Anymore. No, he's not. He's very yeah. thin, very thin. And McCarthy is very uh, thin, too. Um, well, I, he's, he's put together, I think, pretty decent. I mean, he's 6'3", he's not- 207 pounds. You know, he yeah, can add he'll, some he'll muscle. Play it. You know, he gets in a, a pro weight room. He's going to be 220. Mm-hmm. Caleb is a big guy. I don't know how tall he is. Yeah. We'll find that out in two weeks. Um, but he's built. But, yeah, he's put together. That's a thick dude. You know, yes, he's, he he's going to be 220, I would assume. And incredible arm talent. He's a very intriguing guy. There's no doubt about it. All right. I want to talk about uh, another intriguing guy, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, My take on this Super Bowl is, you know, Patrick Mahomes is definitely the number one quarterback and probably will go down in history as one of the top quarterbacks, definitely top five. Who knows, maybe top three or top one. But that Kansas City Chiefs did not win the Super Bowl solely because of Patrick Mahomes. That defense was incredible. Would love your opinion on that. No, I, I agree. And as, as Jerry said, the special teams on both teams. Yes, very true. Special teams play was excellent. But at the same time, special teams cost San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they had some great play, but they had a couple bad ones. <laughs> yeah, the blocked field goal attempt, the, uh, the, the ball the, hitting. The missed extra point. Yep. That was huge. Yes. And then the punt. And what, you know, when I first saw the play, it looked like, you know, I'm swearing at the returner, like, why are you touching the ball? I didn't realize, and he did, that it hit the guy's foot. Exactly. But he should have just pounced on the ball instead of trying to pick it up. Because, you you know what, nine times out of ten, you're going to fumble that trying to pick it up like he did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that um, cost them the game. That play alone cost them yeah, the game. Absolutely did. Absolutely did. So let's talk now about Patrick Mahomes' play. I, I I guess what I'm interested in hearing from you is because I feel this way. Again, Mahomes is great. I thought he was the best quarterback coming out of that draft. But I do believe that if you place like Josh Allen, into that game, Josh Allen would have won the Super Bowl for Kansas City just like Patrick Mahomes did. And I'm not yeah. taking anything away from Mahomes. I just feel it was such a strong team win. I, I'm going to phrase that a little differently. And I firmly believe this. I'm not taking anything away from Patrick Mahomes. 
if Patrick Mahomes isn't with Kansas City and Andy Reid isn't his coach, Patrick Mahomes is not Patrick Mahomes. Not the Patrick Mahomes we see right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be good? Yeah, he's going to be good because the talent's there. But the marriage of those two yep. makes the difference. And like you know, Joe Montana, Joe Montana and Bill Walsh. Yes. Uh, Mahomes said something yesterday or Sunday that holds true, and it really it, it kind of jumped out at me. Sandy lets me be me. He doesn't mm-hmm. make me do what I can't do, you know. But and and that's what too many coaches do is trying to make you be who you aren't, play to your strengths. And part of Patrick's strengths are is that he's a street ball player. Mm-hmm. You know, he's playing football in the backyard with a group of guys, you know, and he improvises. But Andy puts that in his offense. In his offense, you know, all the scramble plays, the alerts are all based on the fact that that Mahomes is Mahomes. But it's it's the combination of the two that make him so great. Now, so when Andy finally retires, we know he's working at least one more year, is is Mahomes going to be Mahomes? Because the captain of the ship isn't going to be there anymore. Right. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating. And, you know, the heir apparent perhaps is Matt Nagy. Can Matt Nagy? No, Matt Nagy ain't going to be the heir apparent. You don't think so, huh? No, 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 Hmm. not at all. And i tell you what's telling is, now it hadn't happened, but there's rumor to it, that the other coach may be coming back. Uh, Eric Biennemi? Yes, Biennemi may be coming back. Wow. Who knows what the role is, but... Mahomes even said during the year they miss having the enemy because the enemy held them accountable in practices more than anybody, mm-hmm. you know, and, and demanded perfection. Sure and, did. You know, the enemy is an old school coach. Yeah. You know, like. For a younger guy, you know, he's a little different for a younger guy. It's, it, in that he is that that old school mentality, but he coaches hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, Lashawn McCoy has complained about the enemy, and a lot of people are saying the reason you don't like the enemy is because he yelled at you <laughs> in practice. He, he called you a couple of names, and uh, now you're upset with him. So. Uh, this question, this whole thing regarding the overtime rules, uh, King Book World, how the hell as a coach, you don't know the rules for overtime, even though they said it. Now, Shanahan did know the rules for overtime. It's just that it wasn't properly communicated to his players or maybe not even communicated at all to the players. Do you think that had a big deal to do in the result of the game? It's almost like I, you know, I can you accept the answer Shanahan had? And I read it this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew what the rules are. Yeah, I wanted the ball first. 
because I figured we're going to score, they're going to score, and then we're going to go down and score and win. Okay, so did he say that to cover his ass? I don't know, because he kicked a field goal and they scored a touchdown, so they win. Now, right. if they kick a field goal, you know, then he, then his his thinking is correct. But, you know, they looked like they were going to score a touchdown on that that opening drive over time. And then the, mm-hmm. the Kansas City defense defense tightened up in those last few downs. But I don't know if I can answer it and, and be fair. I, I There's a couple things that I think the media making something bigger than it really is. One is that. Mm-hmm. Get, let, get, uh, let, me ju- let me jump in, Greg, because here's, here's my thought that I think this is the big thing. Okay. So uh, on the sideline, you got – one sideline that knows the overtime rules, it's not an issue. They're not thinking about it. They're just thinking about execution. On the other sideline, you guys, you got guys who are whispering, wait, they changed the rule? And that's taking their focus away from being 100% in the moment of playing football. I think good coaching has you prepared for any situation, and the 49ers were clearly not 100% prepared for the overtime because they didn't know the rules and there's questions going on. Wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, Well, what do you here's where I can argue that, and I'm just – Arguing Please. for the sake of arguing. Okay. You still got a freaking score. <laughs> no, okay. So it doesn't matter when you got the ball, you got a score. That's right. Okay. So, and, and that's what the players have to be preoccupied with. Yes. I got okay? you. <laughs> and the rules are different than they are in the regular season. Mm-hmm. So, is it easy to? I'll be honest. I forgot that there was a change, and I didn't remember until it was mentioned mm-hmm. at the beginning of overtime. Mm-hmm. So, was it wrong on Shanahan not to have his players know that? Yes. Was that a difference maker in the game? I don't think so. Probably not. Okay. okay. So the. that's where I I was going to go make the point. I think there's two things where media made a bigger thing out of it than it really was. That's Mm -hmm. one of them. And the other thing was the Kelsey bump of, of Andy on the sideline. Your thoughts on that? It was a big to do about absolutely nothing. In fact, there was another video that came out yesterday where Andy pushed Kelsey. Did That's right. It? Yes, I saw it. And, and, <laughs> and I tweeted out, it's a football is an emotional game played by emotional people. You get charged up. Mm-hmm. It's a freaking Super Bowl. You're more charged up for that because it means everything. Mm-hmm. You're going to get excited. I must have saw a bunch of different posts. Right after one was Andrew Marshawn, who's the big media writer for he's with the athletic now, but he was with the New York Post forever. And some other people. Well, why didn't Nance and Romo make a bigger deal out of this? It wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I agree. They wanted it a big deal. So what if he bumped into him? Mm-hmm. 
that somebody sat some some woman sent me a text, and I'm not don't mean this because she's a woman. It just she happened to be a woman when I wrote that. She goes, I thought it was disrespectful. I go wrong. I sent back wrong answer. She goes, there is no. So she sends back. Now, I don't know who this person was. I don't know. She goes, there is no wrong answer. That's my opinion. I go, well. She goes, so you can accept it or not. I go, I don't. And and why why are you making a big deal out of it? It shouldn't be. Right. It didn't phase Andy in, in, in the slightest. Not in the slightest, yeah. You know, and, and so if you had seen Andy like turn and have some sort of negative reaction to it, okay, mm-hmm. now it's a different thing. He was like, yeah, you bumped into me, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like concentrating on what the next call is going to be. Right, right. And, and Kelsey's like, man, I should have been in that play because, you know, maybe he doesn't fumble because I make the block that should have been made or whatever. So <laughs> that's exactly what he's say, saying. Yeah, absolutely. There's no no doubt you know, about so, it. And man, I, I'm never going to criticize a player for his competitive nature. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and as I said, I thought when I saw the, the big to-do, that's why I, I put out a, a, a tweet about it. I said, this is ridiculous. This is a nothing that they're trying to make a big deal out Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to talk about, and I know that, you know, I, I said that the Chiefs won because it was a total team play, and I'm not at all denigrating the play of Patrick Mahomes. In fact, what I wanted to get your thoughts on, his accomplishment with the receivers that he had. I mean, his number one receiver was a rookie, right? Uh, Rasheed Rice is a rookie or a second year Yes, man. he's a rookie. Okay, and uh, you know the the, the they had to uh, uh, make inactive Tony because of the drops that he had and so forth. He's done. He's done in Kansas City. Yeah, there's no way he's, they're going to let him back in. So, my but part of it was because of his some of his like he, he had a blow up when he wasn't active for another game. You know, one of the earlier playoff games, and so oh, didn't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you know, he's just, he's just done. Yeah, and and so, Andy has done that before, and they brought it up that you know, uh, it with Dave, uh, David Terrell. Mm-hmm. He just you know he just sent him home, but you can't do that anymore. <laughs> Too bad, David Terrell. What <laughs> Terrell Owens? You know the uh, but you know you can't. You can't send them home anymore. You just paid them for the rest of the year and said, you're done. You know, don't show up. Yeah. But Andy's tough. But, you know, in a way, he's like Bill and that he knows what everybody's button is. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's going to treat you differently than he's going to treat me. That's why I think good coaches, good leaders do. You know, you you know which buttons to press for which people. You got to know them well, and and communicate with them in a way that is effective. That that is the key right there. Now, my my one season, I saw him blow up once, and mm-hmm. you know, we used to have like a meeting with the coaching staff, the scouting staff, and it was before. They 
uh, going to some of the player meetings. Or no, it was right after the player meetings. So mm -hmm. it would be late at night. And he – there was some going on between some people with the personnel staff. And I was – this was my only year there. And, you know, I was involved in it and, and some of the coaches. And he just didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And he just ripped everybody a new a hole, threw something down, and walked out, and that was the meeting. Wow! You know? And <laughs> you know he never never swore, but he gets his point across real easy. And you know that was his. I the only reason I went to Philly as a consultant that year is because I wanted to work with him. You know, I worked with some great coaches, and he was like one of the. You know, another one that I'd never had an opportunity to work with, and I wanted to, you know, just learn from them, you know, because mm -hmm. that, that's how you get better is you learn from the best. Yeah. And it turned out being a, an awful year. We were in camp less than two weeks, and his son died, who was an assistant coach. And Tragic, tragically died. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it just like, changed everything you know how he even coped to get through the season is beyond me and i remember you know we're up we're on the road so you don't get to talk to him much and then when we came in for december meetings everybody knew the end was was coming and you know you'd hardly even saw the coaches but so i never really got a chance to talk to him like i wanted to then, you know, right after he gets let go, like almost within days, he gets hired by Kansas City. Hmm. So we're at the combine, and I'm in the exercise room at the hotel we're at. They just happen to be Kansas City's at the same hotel, and Andy's walking by, and he stops, and he looks in, and he sees me, and he waits. So I said, you know, I go, wait a minute. So I get out, and that's what I had probably the longest conversation I ever had with him. <laughs> You know, but just a a really really good person. Yeah, seems by by all accounts, uh, and he's getting all the praise now that he richly deserves. Um, gotta ask you about this. Somebody put up um, Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl because of Taylor Swift. Obviously, that was a joke, but I do want to get your comments on her impact on the team, the NFL. Is she good for the NFL? Bad. We heard today it was the highest-rated Super Bowl of all time. Um, what your thoughts on Taylor Swift? Well, probably would have been the highest-rated game whether she was there or not, but uh, has she brought in the last couple months more fans into watching or, or new fans created new fans? I'm going to say probably yes. You know, that some of her fans mm -hmm. who weren't necessarily football fans were like, oh, this is, this is fun watching this stuff. <laughs> think, yeah. you know, and so, but from a marketing standpoint, the visibility she brings, hey, she, if you like her, you don't like her. And I'm not a big fan of her music. Mm -hmm. I, you know, my wife is, my kid, my daughter, Kelsey is. Uh, but 
you know, she's an icon. She is. I mean, it's unbelievable. The global impact, you know, this is not just the United States, the global impact. Oh, and it's, uh, what's amazing uh, is, 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 you know, her, there's a few people that have done it their way mm -hmm. in the music industry and, and, and become very successful. And she's one of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, you don't, you don't put up with, the, the corporate moguls who want you to, you know, do this, do that. You just, you know, this is the way we're doing it. And, you know, you break away, you form your own label or whatever, but you do it your way. And she's one of them. And she's a billionaire because of that. Hmm. All right. We've got, uh, you got time for a couple more questions? Absolutely. All right. Let's see. Black Belt just put this one in. It's a trade scenario. It looks complicated. Well, let's see if we can get through it. Please ask Greg what he thinks of trading the number one pick to either Washington for the number two, 36, 41, and 2025 number one, or trade with the Pats for their three, 34, 68, plus the 2025 one and two. Is that feasible along with along with uh, nine going uh, moving from nine to 20? Well, just using the chart, just <clears throat> you're, you're already Washington's. He said 36. I thought they were 34, but I didn't look at the second round. So he might be right. Yeah. But, you know, it's a 400 point move. You're mm -hmm. already paying a, a, a premium mm -hmm. Over the points, just giving up that second round, that high second round pick. Okay, so now you add the second second round pick, and you know that increases the premium by another, you know, four hundred and almost five hundred points. You know, that alone is a huge. It's almost a thousand point premium just to make the trade. Wow! So you add a number one next year, that's going to add, because you figure Washington, you know, they aren't going to be a playoff team. Let's say they're a top 10 team and use the, the use 10 as the number. Mm -hmm. You know, that's another 1,300 points. That's a 2,300-point premium for one spot. Mm -hmm. I would, if, I, if I'm... Washington, I would not make that trade. Yeah, but if they're really if they're really driven, hey, you go for it. I mean, you know, there's no harm in trying. Yeah, because they may say yes. Right. Well, you know, and a lot, maybe not a lot, but maybe some uh, of their decision making might be influenced by the fact that if they draft Caleb, him being from that era area, the season ticket sales are just going to go through the roof. There'll be a waiting list of, for 20 years. Well, they got <laughs> – no, I don't know what it is now if, if their season ticket number has really dwindled mm -hmm. in the last few years. They used to be a sellout team oh, all yeah. the time. Yeah. And that's a big stadium. It's 80-plus thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Get um, old, and, and, and they're going to build a new one. Yeah. Where remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh, 
Not in uh, Chicago, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, well, Chicago's going to get done, too. I mean, that's all. Arlington I mean, Heights is going to get done. Chicago is not going to get done, in my opinion. But <laughs> Well, I'm just looking at the cost difference between one and the other. Mm -hmm. Huge. Yeah. I, and I think right now it's, you know, they're, they're playing politics and they're playing poker. Yeah, exactly. And, hey, and the school districts are going to give in. Absolutely. Because, you know, we talked about a long time ago. They, they want all that tax money for the land. Mm -hmm. and, and, and But if I'm the Bears, I'm going to go, well, how much tax money do you, you're going to get? Well, we're giving you. Then the entities that are going to be on that land, after the stadium's done, there's going to be a hotel, there's going to be this, there's going to be that. You're getting tax money from all that, too. You know, it, it, it's like they got a very solid point. Absolutely. You know, you know, the school districts are saying, well, it's like the stadium only. No, it's not the stadium only. Exactly. You got to look at the big picture. Exactly. And they will eventually. Of course. Um, it's all, they got plenty of time because there's a lot of time left on that lease. Yep. But By I the way, see a Super Bowl here before I'm dead. Me too. <laughs> I heard you, they better hurry with me. <laughs> Even though I won't be able to afford it, it'll be about you know a, a flat rate for a ticket. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Standing room. How about this? You know what? And I might have said it. The base price of a ticket for that first Super Bowl I went to, which was the Bears. Patriots game, and then our game the next year was the same price, was seventy five bucks. Mm -hmm. Now you might have to pay five or six hundred on a scalp price, sure. but the, the 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 real price of the ticket was seventy five bucks. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Hey, you mentioned the draft chart, and I did a little exercise the other day uh, because over at Draft Tech, you you are able to put in, you know, the uh, team that you want to figure out how many value points they have. And so right. using the uh, Rich Hill uh, version of that draft chart, the, the Bears have far and away the most value points of any team in the NFL, despite the fact that they only have six picks so far in the draft, 1,513 points. Commanders, 1,199, 1,200 points, and they have three more picks. The Cardinals, 1,134, and they have 13 picks. But yet, because the Bears have the first overall and the ninth overall, the value points are sky high, maybe higher than any team in recent memory. That's a great thing, isn't it, Greg? Well, it, it means that you've got capital to work with. One of those picks is getting traded. Yep. You know, because as we've already seen, Poles wants to get more picks. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee he wants two. He doesn't have one now. And, and the two, you know, that's a premium round. Mm -hmm. You want to pick in the second round somewhere. So one of those picks, either one or nine, is getting traded. So he can get something, especially in the second round. And if he gets something next year, great. Would you rather have the 13 picks like Arizona does, or would you rather be in the situation that the Bears have? Well, it's, it's where are the picks? You know, I don't know where the picks where Arizona are, but don't forget this year's draft, you had a lot less underclassmen. You only got 54, 55 underclassmen in this draft. You know, as compared, you know, it's, it's almost like a round of players aren't there. 
Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if you do your homework, you're still going to get really good players mm-hmm. because people rate the players differently. But still, the overall depth, it takes away from the overall depth. And it takes away from some of the depth you're going to see in the undrafted free agent portion, you know, after the draft. So, you know, if those picks are six and sevens, and I don't know where the hell they are, but let's just think a lot of them are. Well, that's not a not a big deal. It, you know, if you've got twos and threes in there, you know, a bunch of twos and threes, well, that, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eric asks, uh, do we know if any teams actually use the Rich Hill chart? PFF Brad indicated that most use some variation of the JJ chart. You know, I, I don't, don't most teams make adjustments to the chart based on their uh, evaluation of the overall strength of the draft? You know, I think it, and, and I haven't used the, I've used the Hill chart a little bit. Big Z says everybody uses the, the Hill chart more than the Johnson chart. When it gets down to it, it's all just a basis. Right. It's a starting point. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with the number one pick, you throw it out because you're paying a premium. Mm-hmm. It's how much of a premium can you get? Mm-hmm. But when you get into and even the top 10, you're, 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 you're still paying a little bit of a premium, but it's a starting point. But when you get into, into the third round and all of day three, I don't care what chart you do. Most of those cha- most of those trades are pretty damn close to what the chart says. Yeah, it just sort of happens that way. Absolutely right. But but it, you, it's it's where the 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 pick is that you're trading out of or trading for mm-hmm. that tells you if you got to pay a little bit of a premium. How far are you moving to? Because the other team, like if you're, let's say it's a 15 spot move. Well, you got to give me a lot to move 15 spots because I'm dropping down a level of players mm. to get more picks. Yeah. You know, so there's got to be a premium involved. Indeed. Oscar asks, what does Greg think about Biggs's comments on Monday? I saw that Biggs was trending on my Twitter feed. I, I, I have he, he was on the score. and, and What did he, he say? I, I don't know. Basically, you know, we, we, we know it's foregone conclusion. Fields isn't going to be here. Oh. That's been Biggs' yeah. thought, thought process since midseason. Mm-hmm. He's not going to deviate from that. You know, I, I talk to Biggs a lot. We you know, argue about it or whatever. That's what he thinks. Is he positive of it? No, that's his feeling. Right, right. You know, he doesn't know anything that anybody else doesn't know. Like I said, if you just look at at, at what these insiders have, they don't even have the same information. They're putting out different stuff. I know you're not a big fan of Danny Parkins over at 670 at the score. Yesterday, he posted a picture of him wearing a Caleb Williams jersey. And so Eric wants to know, what what, what, what did you think of that maneuver by uh, Parkins to wear he's Cal- a Caleb? He's a big Caleb fan, you know. That's, hey, you know, more power to him. If that's what he wants to do, that's fine. Do do you you know I I kind of grappled with this myself. I I, I personally like his show. Uh, it is a top rated sp- 
sports radio show in Chicago. Um, and he's controversial. He says some silly things, but it, it makes for good radio. But I do think that that was a bit disrespectful for the current Chicago Bears quarterback to do something like that, uh, it, especially if you're on TV and radio like he is. Do you feel that way at all? He, he's, he's, he's entitled to do whatever the fuck he wants. You know, well, he's entitled to do whatever he wants. But I saw a thing on X a little earlier today, probably shortly before, and it was somebody coming, and it was no, wasn't a big name, mm-hmm. but saying the disrespect by local media, meaning both print media and talk radio, the disrespect they have shown JF is like nothing we've never seen before because they were all on the bandwagon with him for the longest time. And just, you know, and then this guy went on to say that it shows a lot. You don't hear a word from, from fields and it shows a lot about his character that he just doesn't say freaking word. Yep. And and he's he's tuned it out. You know, when all this shit started towards the end of the season, he's totally tuned it out. And it does. It says something about him. Mm. And, and I think, you know, just at the Super Bowl last week, everybody, you know, they're asking anybody they could ask. The people from, you know, Chicago and um, or we want to call it CHGO or whatever, and mm-hmm. you know, trying to get an opinion and, and other people trying to get opinion. They had DJ Moore on DJ Moore. Once again, jumping on the table for, for fields. And it's, um, it, it's just a, an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Sure and, and there's going to be, I know, you know there's going to be people coming after me on, on X. If, if they end up taking them, I could care less. Mm-hmm. You know, the main reason being is is Twitter is fantasy land. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, who are these people? I don't know who any of them are. Yeah, right. You know, they're, they're a name. And most of them, 99% don't use their name. Yeah, exactly. You know, cool. they, got a, they got a screen name. You use your name. I use my name. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, here I am. Take your shot. Yep. But most are, you know. Justin Fields fan, Bears fan, whatever, whatever yeah. their screen name is. They're just nameless entities in space. Indeed. So what their opinion is, I could care less. And if I want to say to them, I will. <laughs> I love it. All right, the last one, and it's an idea. Oh, yeah, sure. Here we go. Last this one. is it. This, this is means this we got about five more. <laughs> William Vaughn says, I would love for Greg to do a live podcast during Bears games. He would pay. So the question is for you and for everyone in the chat. Would you pay for Greg to do the analysis of a Bears game here on the Barroom Network while the game is on and we'd find the appropriate play-by-play man for him? What do you think, Greg? Well, you could use the, the, the whoever doing the play by play, but I don't know 
if I could do that only because I get so entrenched in the game, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, if I'm watching a team I don't care about, it's a different story. But like when I watch Bears games, Bills games, you know, I'm like focused on the game and whether I could come up with enough thoughts to communicate because, you know, like the Travis Kelsey thing, yeah, it's an emotional game. I can get a little emotional sometimes. I know you can. I, I you know, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> That's great. You know, <laughs> Swifty has volunteered to do the play by play. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I, because I, I don't know if it would come across good. Yeah. I, I think we could make it work. You know, the key is you can't really do play-by-play. Play. The NFL will shut you down immediately. So you would have to be talking like the Manning cast is. You know, they refer to some of the football, and then they talk over it, do interviews, and blah, blah, blah. We would yeah, have to how, do the same how, thing. How am I watching the game mm-hmm. and flapping my jaws looking at the screen here <laughs> at the same time? We'll do a rehearsal. We'll do a rehearsal. We'll uh, – We'll pick out a, uh, a, a, a an already existing game and do a rehearsal. And Fathead says it would be rated X. Indeed, it would. <laughs> well, yeah, it would. It would be rated X because, like I said, but I'm not. I, 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 when I'm watching the game, I mean, I'm always honest with myself. Yeah. You well, know, you tweet, you, you, you post uh, during games a lot of times. Yeah, it, it, like. You know, if it's if, if I see a what I think is a bad call or a good call or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, I I say it. Um, it. Yeah, I'm not going to be dishonest about. It. I try not to be ever. I, I I just you know I am who I am. This is what it is, and and you don't were, agree, that's fine. Were you happy with Nance and Romo's call of the Super Bowl? Yeah, I. I think Romo's getting a lot of shit that he doesn't really deserve. Okay. Um, when he first started his first his first year and then his second year, he was awesome. He was, head and, he was head and shoulders above everybody. But part of it was he was preparing like he had a game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember specifically because I Google like, wow. He'd see the team come up in a certain formation. He'd tell you exactly what they were going to do mm-hmm. based on that formation and based on the film study he did. And so you know the play before the play even started. Oh, so here's what they're going to do. Boom. And he, and he was spot on. But like anybody else that has success, they forgot how they got there. And then you stop doing that prep like that. And that's one of the reasons Greg Olson is really good because Greg Olson really prepares. He really does. Yep. I, I'm with you on that. I, and I think the same can be say, said about Chris Collinsworth. I'm not sure he prepares as much as he used to. Um, he's just relying on personality nowadays. Yeah. No, a lot of them do. And, and the guys that are really good, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're spending a few days watching tape. Yep. And they're, exactly. going, they're looking for tendencies. And the guy might be 
offensive oriented, defensive oriented, and you're, and you're that's going to come out right during the course of a broadcast. Yep. There was I nothing- thought Romo was really great early on, and he's not close to that right now. Totally, totally agree. I mean, there's nothing more offensive to me when the national broadcast is, is comes to town and the announcers don't know players how to pronounce players' names, don't know some of the stories we as fans know about certain players and so forth. It's clear that they have not prepared well. And they have a team of producers giving them stuff, you know, giving them tape, giving them newspaper articles, giving them stuff. One, so one of the worst is who doesn't prepare – but thinks he knows everything is Mark Schler. Mm-hmm. I think he's awful. And whenever he's doing a Bears game, I just like, oh God, I wish I could turn on the radio, but the radio's like, there's a delay when you turn on the radio. Yeah. Seven seconds, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, and you've, you you haven't hesitated to let him know either. <laughs> Via Twitter and social media, you, you've let him have it a few times. <laughs> Uh, oh, I, I, swear, I, th- I think he's one of the worst. And there's some good ones. But Greg Olson, I, I'm proud of Greg. I, number one, I mean, he was, a, he was one of our picks and mm-hmm. a great, great guy. Yeah. And, you know, we still communicate. And uh, he's just done an outstanding job. It, 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 you know, Brady is admitted he's taken over that number one job. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's saying he's working really hard at it. So does – Let's say she be even though Olsen's out of contract. Yeah. Well, one or the other, or not out of contract, she's still in contract, but under contract to Fox. Does still does one of the other networks try to steal him away to make him the number one guy? I would think so. I would think so. You know, Fox can block it, but would they? You know, because he's under contract, I, yeah. I I don't know because he's you know he's that good and he's you know he works really well with with Burkhart, and so now he's going to have a totally different play by play guy. He's going to mm-hmm. have to work with. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that more on our next show or, or one of our future shows. We got a lot of stuff, a lot of topics to talk about. It almost seems like particularly with the way the Bears played this past season, that we're going to have much more to talk about during these first three months of the offseason than we would have had the last three months of the regular season. Uh, great guest today. Uh, many thanks to Jerry Angelo for joining Greg here on Gabriel Talks Football. That was a great interview, Greg. Are you happy with the way it turned out? Yeah. No, because I know if you ask Jerry the right stuff, you know, he'll pontificate a little bit. Mm-hmm. And because because that's what he does. But you got to, you know, I know him as well as anybody. So I know how to get him to, you know, to say what I want him to say, or, mm-hmm. you know, and, so, and ask the right question, so to speak, you know, so, but I was not, and I tweeted it out. There was no way that I was going to ask him, well, what would you do in, in the thing? It, because, that was good. Right away, you know, you know, it's it's going to be out there, and yes. that's not that's not fair to have a, a, a success previous and successful Bears mm-hmm. GM second guess the current guy. It's just not fair at all. Absolutely, and I, I would never do that. To I, I wouldn't want to put Jerry in that situation, nor would I want to do that to Ryan Poles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, D. Stanton says, oh, no, it's over already. Yeah, we got the 90, 
nine minutes uh, for you to go back and listen to. We are available on demand on all your major platforms. Greg Gabriel, you're the absolute best. I will see you next week, either Monday or Tuesday. Okay, brother? And it'll be Monday because Tuesday is, you know, my every other Tuesday is that screwy day. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, or I don't know what time. But I'm like I said, I, I put out a note to Dane. Dane Brugler. To see if he can come on. Uh, and if he can, we'll have Dane on. I'll know that. Moves I hear back from him, and uh, then we'll go. If not, we can you know start on free agency in the combine. That's uh, important topics. All righty, brother. Yeah. Take care. Goodbye, okay, everybody. Buddy. See you later. All righty.